That's a September moment, folks. That's a September moment. You do the honors, my friend. Nick, let's do a show, baby. What is going on? Happy Saturday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. What an unbelievable comeback win for the Cincinnati Reds on Friday night. My name is Nick Kirby. Thanks as always for joining us for Chatterbox Reds, your daily home for live postgame shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcast like you're listening to right now. Always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. And yes, that even includes weekends. We're the only Red show that has weekend podcasts every day. So enjoy that this weekend. Our show is presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, my friend Craig Sandlin made his Chatterbox Reds debut on Friday night. And he joined myself and then later Trace Fowler, who was down at Great America Ballpark on Friday. We talked about both games of the Reds' doubleheader. We celebrated the Reds' incredible comeback win. More on that in a moment. We talked about tomorrow's game, and I'll also recap all the Reds' minor league action at the end of today's episode. But first, here's a quick rundown of what happened on Friday. Reds played a crucial doubleheader against the Chicago Cubs. In Game 1, it was a tough one for the Reds. Reds' offense went 2-for-11 with runners in scoring position. They left 10 runners on base in a 6-2 loss. In Game 2, it wasn't looking any better for the home team. There's a lot of wild things that happened before and early in this game. We'll talk about all that uh, later on. But the Reds trailed 2-1 going into the bottom of the ninth. Ellie De La Cruz led off, and he struck out. In the bottom of the ninth, unfortunately capping off an 0-for-4 game with four strikeouts. But then, out of nowhere, Nick Martini, our hero, hit a solo home run to tie the game at two. Christian Encarnacion Strand then singled. CES was lifted for Stuart Fairchild to pinch run. Fairchild stole second base. He took third base on an air. And then Noel V. Marte hit a walk-off single to give the Reds a 3-2 win and completely stun the Chicago Cubs. The win? It was win number 70 on the season for the Reds. It was also the Reds' 42nd comeback win, the most in Major League Baseball. Here's what David Bell had to say about an emotional day and a huge win for the Reds. Situation as it unfolded, was that the uh, biggest coming off the mat situation that we've seen this year? Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. That's what this game's all about. That's what this team is. You know, we're, we you just you just have to keep playing. There's always challenges, and um, you really you know, have choices to make every single day. Um, you know, and, and and our team chose to just keep playing, and uh, that's happened. Time and time again, and, and that's that's what it takes to be a good team. You talk about the pressure of the ninth, and obviously Martini and Marte both coming through there. Yeah, um, Nick has been having great at bats since he he arrived here. Um, I mean, he's been having great at bats all year, but he stepped in and 
um, you know, really in a time of, of need, and he's been a shot in the arm for us to you know, just have good quality at bats from the left side, and um, you know, he just stayed with it all night. Just missed a couple pitches, and then finally got one. And, uh, and there's there's no better feeling. I know he was thrilled to to contribute like that to our team. Um, just a, a huge hit. Um, like you said, you know, it was. You know, we're, we're we're getting down to our final outs there, and to come through like that was great. And then, Noelvi uh, Marte just had a, a a great day from when we started this morning all the way through the end of the day. Some great plays. Uh, play down the line is one of the better plays I've seen in a long time uh, from a third baseman. And then just the bats over and over again all day long, and finally it paid off with the biggest one of the day. It looked bleak there in the first for Richardson. Um, obviously, you guys don't get there unless he rebounds. Yeah, I mean that's the game, right there. Not not an easy inning. You know, it was didn't start the way he wanted it to. He gives in there or, or, or shuts down, and, and the game's over. Right, right there in the first inning, he continued to pitch. He continued to make pitches. Battled, you know, thirty upper thirties as far as uh, his pitch count, and uh, got it done. You know, and I think the. That can that can really shift things right there. Um, they score a few runs, and, and it's just a totally different game for us. So Lion uh, Lion got it done right there when it was at its very very you know most difficult time, and um, and then after that it got easier. You know he actually pitched really well after that, um, but uh, you know that was definitely the key getting out of the first. And here's what the hero. Nick Martini had to say. That was obviously a big moment for the team. How big of a moment was that for you personally? Hard to describe, honestly. Uh, I mean, just a big moment for me, uh, especially how long of a road it's been the last couple of years, and uh, it was a lot of fun. As far as the team goes, coming off the mat in the ninth, the way the situation's unfolding, you never want to obviously lose a doubleheader, especially perhaps the biggest series of the season. So how, how big was that? I think it was massive, you know, especially against a team like that uh, who's been playing well. And... Um, to be able to come back in the ninth hopefully it gives us a good boost and a big swing by Marte and it was a lot of fun that last inning. How was the clubhouse handling some of the news that came out today? You, know, you had guys going on the COVID IL, etc. and just dealing with all that and then trying to put it together to have a good game in the second, you know, the second game. Uh, I think it's tough. You know, anytime you lose guys um, to something like that that's been going around for a while, um, it's tough, but I think a lot of guys just kind of put it to the side and, uh, Kind of bonded together this game and ended up having a good one. You got to play with Marte quite a bit there in Louisville. I did. You know, when he's up in that situation, what have you seen in your time in Louisville that makes you confident when he's up in the play right there? Uh, I see a confident player. Um, I know he's not going to get cheated there. I know he's going to get he's going to get his swing off. And uh, like I said, he's a confident player, and it, it was a lot of fun to watch. What's it been like for you? I mean, like all these guys. It seems like most of the team you've played with in Louisville. I have, and yeah. Get to join them here. It's it's been awesome. I think it's because it's you know it's been an easy transition, and uh, especially the guys that have been here have, have been great to me, and uh, the guys that I've played with. You know, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of energy, and uh, it's been a blast. All right, the Reds got a little bit closer in the NL Wild Card race. Here are the standings on Saturday morning. Phillies still have a nice lead for the first wild card spot. They have a four and a half game cushion. Cubs holding the second wild card spot. They have a two game cushion. 
It is now a tie for the final wild card spot between the Diamondbacks, who won on Friday, and the Giants, who lost. Reds, just one game behind both the Diamondbacks and Giants, who hold the third wild card spot. Reds enter the day a game and a half, so the Reds picked up a half game on Friday. Marlins, though, also still hanging around. They picked up a half game on the Reds, so they're a little bit closer. They are two games back of the third and final wildcard spot. All right. Well, my good friend Craig Sandlin, he is helping us out this weekend on Chatterbox Reds live postgame on YouTube. Craig is the head of business development for Loop Sports Cards. He lives out of town now, but he is from Cincinnati and a diehard Reds fan. We were actually in each other's weddings, and this incredible season for the Reds has actually kind of helped us stay in touch a little bit better, and I was really excited to bring him on, and he was awesome. He killed it on the show. Honestly, I might lose my job because of it. But Trace Fowler, never fear. He made an 11th hour appearance as well at the end as he was down in Cincinnati downtown for Reds Cubs. Hi, friends. How about that? How about that? They're not dead. Every time, every time this season you've wanted to call them dead, they somehow find a way. They've done it all year. Got swept in a four-game series in Pittsburgh. They find a way. This team has hung hung around all year. Are the Reds going to make the playoffs? I don't know, but this has been a damn fun season. Don't forget it. This has been special. That was a September moment that we'll never forget. Noel V. Marte, Nick Martini. Are you kidding me? Craig, this is Craig Sandlin. This is my friend, his Chatterbox Reds debut. What a game to make a debut on. I mean, young guys stepping up. Marte making plays defensively throughout the entire day. Comes up with a chance to win it in the bottom of the ninth. And what does he do? Writes the story. I mean, what more could you ask for? Winner, winner, chicken dinner, baby. Let's go. Well, and and right off the bat, I want to mention this because it, it's it feels the exact same way as that game that the Reds stole in Arizona last weekend on Saturday to hang around. You got to give a lot of credit to Buck Farmer, Ian Jabot, and Alexis Diaz just putting up zero after zero after zero while this offense is struggling and giving this team a chance. And shout out my guy Reds in four. He said Albert Alzale was due for a stinker. And, oh, boy, did he have a stinker tonight. He got a Nick (laughs) Martini stinker. He had a stinker. And you didn't mention him, which I'm shocked. Shout out Lion Richardson. The the dude walked, I don't even know, four guys in the first three innings. Crazy. And then to only give up one run throughout that entire time, he battled all game. I think that was his longest uh, appearance of the season. I mean – Ate up valuable innings in order to be able to hand the ball over to the rest of the bullpen. I mean, unreal. Unreal. What a team. What a season. I don't know where to go, folks. I'm I'm trying to digest what I just saw. I texted Trace, quote, in all caps, get your ass on the show. I don't know if he has enough service downtown, but I'm sure if Trace can find a way to get on, you know he's going to get on. Wow, what a win, what a win. Incredible win, and again, contributions from everyone. Pitching, offense, defense. That was an all-around team win. 
clutch moment from Noel V. Marte. Unreal. I think I think realistically, Nick, I think we start the show as much as I hate it. Skim over game one. Skim over game one. We'll do a little bit of a recap and then let's get into game two and what really matters. We'll run through it quick because it doesn't matter. Game one's forgotten about. It's long, it's, it's long gone. It's long gone. The Reds won. They found a way. Uh, but here's what happened in game one. In case you're just tuning in, uh, I know a lot of you are probably working today, so let's at least run through it. It was a scoreless game going into the fourth inning. Cody stupid, ugly Bellinger hit a solo home run off Graham Ashcraft. Reds responded in the bottom of the fourth. A Noel V. Marte RBI single tied the game up at one. It was a 1-1 game going into the sixth. Graham Ashcraft allowed two hits to lead off the inning. He left the game with runners on second and third. Lucas Sims gave up a single to Bellinger. Stupid, ugly Cody Bellinger. 3-1 Cubs. Cubs then poured it on. They scored runs off to Wartan Law. Reds lose 6-2. To make that matters worse, uh, Ashcraft was dealing with a sore toe going to the start. He gutted through it today, but he's going to get an MRI. Oh, and to make matters even worse, Reds have multiple players on the COVID IL. Hunter Green, Fernando Cruz, Ben Lively. I believe they have to be out seven days. Hunter's not going to make his next start against the Mariners, but the Reds are hoping he can come back Friday. So that was the vibes coming into game two. Uh, um, but, but Craig, talk to us a little bit about game one. I do think Graham Ashcraft, especially if, man, this dude's like hobbling around, he did give a heck of a performance today. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, he, uh, technically, according to the books, three earned runs, right? I mean, but again, like you said, I thought pitched really well in general the entire day. Um, I... Would have been interested to see what would have happened um, had they left him in. I think we can all agree, though. Um, I don't know why we're pitching to Bellinger there in that situation with first base open. Um, I thought that was a interesting decision, to say the least. Um, for Sims to come in and first pitch, be able to give up that hit, uh, it just felt like the the wrong move. In general, game one felt to me like it had the makings of the end of this year, right? I mean, yeah, you you have the the blue shirts in the stands yelling, let's go cubbies at the end of the game. You end up losing six to one in what really was not a very good looking game in general. Um and then to turn around in game two, which we'll talk about in a minute, to be able to come out and rebound like that is a potentially season-saving performance, which we'll talk about. I think in game one, I think you could see the pressure on the young players. I I, I was actually counting. Um, I counted 10 outs recorded on balls outside the zone by the Reds during that first game. And that's on swings and misses. That's on outs that were hit into the field. 10 balls that we made outs on that were outside of the zone. I think the pressure was getting to them. They were feeling the need to make something happen. If I remember correctly, six of them were in like the first three innings. It just, I, they felt the weight of this series and, um, and it showed quite frankly, the pitching staff, uh, Graham Ashcraft did extremely well to try to keep that game close early on. Um, but offensively it just felt like, we felt the weight of the series on our shoulders. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I, I 
didn't agree with pitching to Bellinger. I understand like the thought process behind it. Um, you're bringing in Lucas Sims, and especially when you know about Graham Ashcraft that he was running on fumes, it makes that decision even more, I think, of the correct decision to go to Sims there. I'm sure in David Bell's head, you know, Lucas Sims at times struggles with um, command, and he's like, I don't want to put the 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 I don't want to make a, a walk bring in a run. I think that's the the fear, and he's thinking, you know what? As good as Cody Bellinger is, um, Cody Bellinger um, can swing and miss. Um, I know this year he's like drastically dropped down that strikeout rate that was like um, you know really high before. But I, I think, man, you gotta you're kind of at this at the point of that game where it's almost do or die. Like you kind of just have to say, look, if, if Lucas Sims walks in a run, he walks in a run. I'm not going to let Cody Bellinger beat me. So I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I just, I'm just trying to explain. I'm not defending. I'm just trying to explain what I think was the the logic behind that. But, um, but yeah, I, I felt in game one, I the Reds had a lot of pretty good, had a lot of decent swings in this game. Um, unfortunately for the Reds in game one, they didn't have a single extra base hit. Like. They had ten hits in the or seven hits in the game, and they had a lot of hard hit outs, but they didn't have a single extra base hit. And that's just, I mean, that's what really makes the the weight of the world, I think, feel feeling this team because it, it kind of felt back. And until uh, Nick Martini just maybe saved the season, and I don't think I'm even exaggerating, it felt almost like back in April where this team just couldn't hit a home run to save their life, and and people like the to to. to to say, you know, how um what well, you, you want to play small ball and all this. Not not in today's game, man. I feel like there's more pressure when you can't hit a home run. The hitting home run takes a lot of pressure off of a team, especially a young team. Um, and, and so that was what really just kind of stuck out to me game one. I thought overall, I mean, they had some some really well hit balls. Um, like Noel V. Marte had two hits. Um, who else had had uh, had a good day? Spencer Steer had two hits. Um, but you know, it was just, unfortunately nothing to get down. All right. Um, yeah. en- enough, are you any other points on game one? Just the, uh, you know, despite what I said earlier about feeling the pressure to your point, <clears throat> um, made good contact. And what stood out to me in terms of those hits specifically where they were opposite field hits. I think both of Steer's hits were to right field. Um, if I remember correctly, um, so seeing the young guys settle in, take the ball to the opposite field, it's a good sign. Um, so yeah, didn't go our way, but you know what did? Game two, Nick. Game two ended up going our way. Let's do this because you know what? Our good friends at DSC, Deep South Commodities, they only want to come on and do an ad. They they paid for ads. Well, they only want to do an ad after Reds wins. They don't want to do them after losses. And, and it's been some tough sledding of late. So let's make sure we give them a shout out because Nick Martini just saved the season. Nick Martini just saved the season. Nick Martini, solo home run, 105.1 off the bat, 418 glorious feet into the sun moon deck. And that was our deep drive of the day sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuels productions, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks to our friends at Deep South Commodities. And do me one quick favor. Because these guys have been such great supporters, John, the guy who owns DSC, he's a Reds fan. 
He's a Reds fan just like me, just like Craig, just like you watch him. Go to www.deepsouthcommodities.com. Flood them. Let them know that, hey, you're watching the show. Let's talk about game two. Let's talk about Lion Richardson. Uh, what a wild, wild performance. Um, the 37-pitch first inning without <laughs> allowing a run. I, I didn't even, like, it's almost impossible to do. Uh, but, hey, after that, to this guy's credit, it's only his third big league start. I also, Craig, don't know when was Lion Richardson even told he was starting this game because we all thought it was going to be Ben Lively. We don't know when Ben Lively, you know, came down with COVID. Um, it, like, was Lion told like three hours ago, hey, Ben just tested pot? I, like, I don't, I don't, maybe it wasn't that dire, but, you know, I don't, I don't think he had like a full time to prepare for the start. And he, he got it through four and two thirds innings. Uh, the the second earned run was after he left. Um, but man, I, I think he's shown a lot of promise. And I think he continues to be a guy that, man, I look at and say, he's absolutely in the mix for a starting rotation spot in 2024. Yeah. Well, first of all, just to address today's performance first, before we get into his future, I mean, that first inning, 37 pitches, three walks, he literally walked the bases loaded and to strike out the last two batters, one of which looking 37 pitch. I mean, to get out of that is insane in itself, but every single inning, it felt like he had to battle. But the reason we love Graham Ashcraft is because he can battle. And if we can add another arm into the rotation that we know is going to battle for us every single night, then the Reds are going to be in a good spot. We've talked at length about how necessary depth is at starting pitching. We've seen the necessity this year to be able to go to Lyon Richardson, potentially hours before today's game. Because I do think up until today, the plan was Ben Lively to go to him and say, hey, we need you to step up. And for him to come in and go 80, 91 pitches, four and two-thirds of two-hit ball. Now, he, he gave up the five walks, whatever. Two hits over four and two-thirds. I mean, I don't think we could have asked for anything more out of him today. Yeah, and remember, the Reds did not put Ben Lively on the IL until between the games. So I don't know if there's something more to that. I and mean, maybe there was some gamesmanship to that where the Reds were, you know, uh, trying to, to throw the Cubs off guard, which would make sense. That'd be smart, right? If you can get away with it. Uh, but one point I want to make about Lyon in this game, you know, you might say, hell, I only went four and two thirds inning. He threw 91 pitches. Lyon this season had not thrown more than 81 all year. And uh, prior to, uh, August 12th, when he got kind of ramped up, he hadn't thrown more than 76. Most of Lyon Richardson starts, if you look at like his game logs, he started out the year only going two or three innings at a time because he was coming back off Tommy John surgery. And this guy, I, I don't think the plan was for him to throw 91 pitches tonight, but I think the Reds were like, man, we, we got to get everything we can. And he got on a roll. So really, I mean, this is a, it's a, it's, a, it's a heroic performance from Richardson. Obviously, it's a lot easier to forget this without the heroics later in the game, but he kept this team in the game, and this was a big, big-time start from him. And uh, I'm excited about this guy's future because he really – you he feels different. He feels different. He he really – there's some batters that went up to the box against him and left, and you could see them like, man, that guy's tough. That guy's tough to hit. Well, and what's important to remember is that you likely didn't have Sims, Duarte, or Law available in game two yeah. because they threw in game one. And so 
imagine he goes out there and he doesn't battle through and they have to pull him after one or two innings. And now your bullpen, who's already thin, has to go out and try and throw eight because without Sims Duarte in law. And he was able to get four and two thirds. Only one inning did he face the minimum, and that was the fourth. And realistically, was saved by an unreal play by Marte in the field to end that inning, diving towards the foul line and making that play. I mean, <clears throat> I think that was a big play too to be able to save momentum there. Um, he battled. He battled for sure. Um, you know, and and I, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, uh, without that. Um, we'd be having a different conversation for sure. Well, then that goes into Samuel. Samuel did give up a run. He's got to work on holding the runners a little bit better, especially as a lefty. Um, but but he, he, he Samuel's been really good for the Reds. I, no no issues there. But then Buck Farmer, I, go ahead. I just want to make a comment on on the Samuel thing. Um, yes, holding on runners for sure. They clearly had something on him, but that was a ten pitch at bat that he ended up yeah. giving that single up on. I mean, it was a good at bat. So you got to give credit where credit's due sometimes. Um, it, yeah, not a whole lot to say there. I mean, unfortunately, he gave up the hit, but it was a 10-pitch at bat. He battled. The stolen bases are really what hit, hurt because without that stolen base, then that single means nothing. And that was a weak hit, too. It wasn't like it had yeah. smoked the ball. So it was, it was all about holding the runner. I mean, that's the only criticism, but whatever. You move on. Um, I think he'll work on that. He'll fix that. But then the next guys, Buck Farmer, scoreless inning. Ian Jabot. Ian Jabot. Two scoreless innings. Only one hit. No walks. No walks from Ian Jabot. That was a big, big problem with him. Heroic effort from Ian Jabot. And then Alexis Diaz. Remember, he gave up. An, he gave up. Craig, a leadoff double, right? And he battled through, kept, put up a zero, and uh, gave the Reds a chance. What is the, a tremendous job from those three guys. Again, just like last Saturday, and it was Ben Lively as the main guy, and then several other guys after him kept this team afloat and uh, gave this team a chance. Yeah, 100% gave the team a chance. I mean, without without the bullpen, you're not, you're not in that position. And you look at game one, realistically, at 3-1 after the six, you were still in position to make a move and try and win that ball game. But after giving up another run in the eighth, giving up two in the, in the ninth, changed the outcome of that game, right? Holding them to within a one run, I mean, it's <laughs> you really are worked up, man. <laughs> you really are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ian Jabot, he's I think today was his 63rd appearance on the year. I mean, dude's appeared in almost half our games and man, continues to hold it down. He's just got that rubber arm, baby. Man, I live this like, like I live this with you. I, you know, I may be able to, uh, you know, stomach the losses. I, I try not to let losses really bother me you know, too much within reason. You know, I, I try to remember it's a game. It's supposed to be fun, but man, moments like this, this is why you're a fan of the Reds. Uh, I mean, this is it. Like this is, this is what we, this is why you invest. This is why you do a stupid podcast every single night is it, for moments like that. That was awesome. That was incredible. And, and like we said, I don't know. I don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out, but that was a special moment. That's a, a moment I'm not going to forget. Let's jump into the hero, the first hero. Nick Martini, man. I mean, this dude. So Craig, you know, we do like the minor league stuff every night. I didn't even mention <laughs> Nick Martini's name. I, I, I owe Mr. Martini an apology. I didn't mention him at AAA. I don't know if we mentioned him a single time. Maybe he had like a two home run game and I like 
threw it in at the end. But I never mentioned Nick Martini and what he was doing down at AAA. But it's so easy when you have guys like that that are kind of these guys that you find off the scrap heap, guys that are playing overseas last year. They come over and they play well in AAA. It's so easy to just kind of, eh, you know what? It's just one of those guys. But a, there's a million of them. You see Henry Ramos come up and not perform. But Nick Martini, what he's done to give this team a boost over this last week, uh, has the last two weeks has just been in, incredible. And and for a team that is just so bad against right-handed pitching, I don't know how much longer the Magic's here, but, man, I am riding this Magic out. That's all you can do with a young team. I mean, regardless of if it's Nick Martini or Marte or anybody else, you're riding the Magic. I mean, these young guys, anything you can get out of them is Magic at this point. Martini with an OPS of 985 through through uh, through the season so far. I mean, <laughs> all you can all you can do is exactly that. You just laugh. I mean, nobody expects it, but at the end of the day. When you have a deep farm system like the Reds have built, it's next man up. I mean, you hate to say it, but the expectation has to be that when somebody goes down, you have the depth to be able to do it. And the reason we've given up some of the star players that we've given up over the last couple of years is because of this exact reason, to build the depth and win the right way. And Nick Martini, tell you what, and nobody expected it, but Nobody's complaining about it either. Well, some people are probably complaining about it. <laughs> some people always find not tonight. They're not. I know I'll be Marte. Uh, well, you know what? No, before we get to Marte, CES, CES had the big single. Um, Stuart Fairchild, big stolen base. Shout out Stuart. I uh, got to get that in when I can. Uh, but but CES had a really has has really looked good of late. Had the four hit game in San Francisco on Wednesday. And starting to hit the ball a lot harder, and boy, we need him. Huge hit from CES. It, it's really been an up. It's it's really been an not really an up and down. It was really just down, but look, he's like he's coming back out of it. Uh, the Reds need CES this last month. They need him. They need him to get hot, and he's definitely showing some signs of it. One hundred percent. I think the four hits against San Francisco were all over a hundred miles an hour exit yep. velo. Um, the the hit tonight he had was 105 off the bat, 105.5. Um, but even in his other at-bats, um, he was hitting the ball hard, and he's been hitting the ball hard for several games now, and I think that's a good sign. <clears throat> and we need him to get hot. I mean, I don't care about the lack of power that he's shown so far at the big league level. I know that'll come. I care about the fact that he's hitting the ball hard, and he's putting the ball in play. and. Right now, that's what he's doing. All right, and then Noelvi Marte, two hits in, in game one. Uh, obviously, the, the walk-off single uh, heard around the world in the, the bottom <laughs> of the ninth. Uh, Marte's definitely struggled at times, but you can really see with Noelvi Marte at 21 years old, you can see why he has a chance to be a special talent. Even if he's, you know, the batting average is low right now, he can hit the ball really hard. Um, he is incredible defensively for a 21 year old. Some of the plays that he's made, it, he, he also, you know, probably saved some runs, um, killed some rallies from the Cubs today. Um, and he, and that it wasn't just today. He's been playing really, really good defense at third base. He looks like a guy that can be a plus plus defender over there. Well, I think the same reason that he's been a plus plus defender at third base is a similar reason why 
he's impressed a lot of people on the base pass and at the plate is that his reaction time has just been off the charts it seems he's making plays like the one tonight on, on, down the line where <clears throat> I don't think off the bat I thought he even had a chance to be honest with you um and he made that play and came off of it um nobody really talked about his speed coming up to the big leagues and he's shown some speed on the base pass he's stolen some bases he's made some moves um I think realistically he's just a smart baseball player and sometimes being smart and having good reaction time and um just being on the balls of your feet ready to go at any time sometimes that's just as important as actually being fast and and all of those things so um impressed with him offensively and defensively the numbers will come around i'm not too worried about his i think 190 whatever batting average right now that'll that'll change and the cubs what a deflating loss i mean you talk about a team that was about to have a huge day go into cincinnati sweep a doubleheader feeling really really good that is a deflating, deflating loss, and it may mean nothing tomorrow. Cubs may, may come out and, uh, you know, beat up on Andrew Abbott. It may not mean anything. We've seen that happen before. Momentum in baseball is so fickle. But this was a, as a deflating of a loss as you could possibly have in, in September. I mean, just, just kind of where they were at. I mean, they were about to really seize control uh, of uh, of that second wild card spot. Man, just, just man, the Cubs, man, they had to been going all right we, we we came in here we because really if the cubs win this game like they've just set themselves up for the whole weekend like everything else was almost gravy after this right well not only does it put them in a great position for that second wild card spot but the phillies and brewers are playing this weekend as well and so depending on the outcome of that yeah. series they very well could have been in a position to be making a move on the division as a whole and i'm not saying that that can't happen or that would have happened it was a big weekend either way because let's say the Brewers at home find a way to take two or three from Philly. Well, now you're only three, two and a half back of Philly of that number one wild card spot, um, which also could be making a, a, a big play here. At the end of the day, whether you're Chicago, Philly, anybody else, your goal has to be playing at home in that first round of the wild card. Um, and realistically they they could have solidified their position to do that and to host a wild card playoff round <laughs> <laughs> sorry about it guys i mean it's a kid show this is a kid show so i'm going to keep it a kid show but i've come up with the phrase for now while it's still a kid show big stick nick it's probably a different phrase we all know what the phrase is but we'll stick with big stick nick right now but uh, just just pulled just pulled us right out of the grave, right out of the grave. It was dug, it was ready, and uh, you know there's a reason that they put bells back in the day in caskets. I don't know if you know this is a history lesson for all of you folks at 10:06 at night. But the reason they put bells in caskets is because back in the day people used to go into comas. And they weren't actually dead, but they didn't know about it. So they, they, they started realizing that people might, you might bury these people alive. So put a bell in there. I'm not saying David Bell did that. That's not the pun I'm going for. But Mick, Nick Martini basically took that bell and started shaking it about as loud as you possibly could. And they just pulled us right out of the grave. Right out of the grave, we were dead. It, can, I, can I also be honest? I had a doubleheader. Okay, doubleheader today. 
there's a lot going on. I had a seven-year-old asking me every inning if we were going to leave. I got a 12-year-old locked in every pitch. I'm in the middle of two people that want – they're on the opposite sides of the earth. One, 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 is, one is locked into the next pitch. The other one has been done for, for multiple innings. So, if we're being honest, because this is an honest show, I'm going to be truthful to everybody. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When Diaz gave up that double, your boy started walking out of the stadium. Your boy started walking out of the stadium. So I didn't get to experience it. I didn't get. To, I did not get to experience it the way that I liked. My son, my twelve-year-old son. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. This will stick with him for the rest of his life. That's how distraught this kid was. You you'd have thought you'd have thought that the Reds just lost the World Series. No, they won. They won. We just didn't get to like actually like you know see it the way we should have seen it. But you know what? I learned a lesson tonight. I learned a lesson. One, the Reds aren't dead. That's lesson number one. Number two is you just you and I already know this. You just don't leave games early under any circumstance. It is what it is. You stay till the very last pitch. I already knew this. I knew this. Um, but I let my seven year old. He beat me down. If you got any young kids, I hope you understand. They'll they'll they'll, they'll just keep beating you over the drum, and eventually you're just like you know what. Just go watch your iPad. That's kind of where I was at. Um, from now on, I think I'm going to have to leave the little ones home. And by little ones, uh, anyone seven and under in the house can't go to Reds games with dad because I got a 12-year-old that literally will kill me if I ever leave early again. If it's 20 to 1, I'm not leaving again. Can't do it. So Well, well, Trace, now we're in a really difficult predicament because you go to a playoff game and Reds are down to run in the ninth. I'm I might have to leave. Like, Trace, you gotta get, now we don't know what, what what's what. No, it's a bad predicament to be in. Trust me, oh. I watched. You, do you know how many innings of baseball I watched today? And I watched. <laughs> I, I We got one run. One. Two games in a row. I said, it's just in there. You, We can't muster up a hit. A guy with a broken toe is the carrying. He hadn't hit in like two months. He's got a broken toe. He's just putting the team on his back, and he's like, look, boys, this is how you hit. Lefty on lefty, it doesn't matter. Jake Fraley's ripping doubles down the line. I was like looking around. Poor Ellie De La Cruz, man. Golly day, I don't know what to do. I hope I hope we can send some kind of care package into my man. We need to get some – we need to get his favorite snacks from the from the DR or something shipped up quick because it's, it's not looking good. But anyways – I don't know. I was so pissed off, though. Cubs fans are the worst. I mean, when I mean the worst, they are the worst. Let's go Cubbies in the stadium when they're up 6-2. to two. I wanted to punch somebody. I was so mad. But and I didn't. And you didn't, even get to, you didn't even get to witness them leaving the stadium. Oh, Distraught. Dude. Oh, well, that it might been... be. Actually, looking back, I do have an, a long event to run tomorrow. Looking back, if we're being completely honest, it might have been a blessing disguise. Because I, I was so mad at Cubs fans, irrationally mad, that I would have possibly gotten in an altercation because I'd have been so arrogant on the way out. I would have been so arrogant on the way out. I literally would have I, 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 uh, I been chanting, go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs just lost today. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Your property franchise is not here to stay. Something like that. I don't know what it is, but I hate those with a passion. I know we hired one. He's a, he's actually a pretty decent guy, but was he there for game two? Uh, not not near me, or else I will. It, he might have. We would have had an altercation. I was so pissed off. I feel bad for my son, but I don't feel bad for one single Cubs fan. 
of course, I hope they get home safely. But outside of that, I hope they, you know, maybe even if it's a pop tire or something like that. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything, but they're obnoxious. I, I mean, they had control of everything. I mean, just the that's it's a bad that's a gut punch to the Chicago. Hey, you club. want to hear something actually hilarious? This is the best story of the night, right? So, again. The uh, is is actually eleven. I don't know why I keep saying twelve, but you know that's what happens when you get old and you're a dad. Just start making up ages for your kids. So he's he's hitting in the little wiffle ball area, right? And there's a there's a table outside the wiffle ball area that's like eating their little lunch or whatever it was right after the game or uh, before game two, what it was. This lady had a full fledged Mountain Dew or something like that. Cubs fans sitting around a table. I'm not kidding you. I'm this is a swear to God's true story. Son hits a ball over the fence or whatever over there in left field. It lands right on this lady's, right in her cup, spills all over her. I'm like, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, that. And this was just after getting buried by him and they're just chanting, go Cubs, go the whole time in the stadium. I was fired up about that. In my, of course, in my own head, I was like, oh, that stinks. I felt so sorry. But, you know, deep down, I was actually pretty proud of my son. And then what did I give him as a prize? I uh, I made him leave early, so that's tough. Trace, talk to us about this team this year because so many times they felt like, all right, this is probably the last straw. And how many times has it been this year at this point? I feel I've I've had them out. I've counted them dead like four or five games in a row. Um, I think the first time I counted them dead and I was disappointed, of course, was the Sunday in Oakland. That's probably the lowest the Reds have been up until this day. There was a Sunday in Oakland, and then there was the, going into the ninth inning tonight. Um, I, I don't know, Nick. I mean, here's the thing. I still think this team has flaws. We know they have flaws. I'm not trying to sit here and, and be a Debbie Downer after a huge win, but it's uh, it's it's something has to give here. we got to find a way to start being a little more consistent at the plate, guys. Like, they just look lost at times. They look uncompetitive at times. It just feels like – we're begging for a rally in the, in the, in the, in, and again, thank God the bullpen. I mean, what the hell? Can you imagine being an ass cloud at the beginning of this year and sitting there screaming at the moon saying that the bullpen was a problem and that's the reason this team isn't going to be the only <laughs> reason this team is not in playoff condition? What a joke! What a joke! What a joke! Anyways. I mean, the bullpen, I don't even know what to say. By the way, Lion Richardson, thanks for giving me a hard act first inning. I don't know if you guys talked about that, but my man, my man, you ever seen something like that? That's some Houdini shit. That's some Houdini shit. Went out there and walked like six guys and didn't give up a run somehow. I don't know how that worked, but he definitely did it. Congratulations <laughs> to Richardson. I mean, I mean, that was one of the most brilliant performances of all time. Not only, and then he came out the next inning. I actually told a guy sitting next to me, I said, have you ever seen a guy in his first eight hitters walk five guys and not give up a run? Like that's, that's some impressive stuff. Trace, you're going to, you're going to fall out of your chair. When I tell you this, I said, pre, I said, after at least fourth at bat, fourth strikeout today, I said it. I think they should move him down in the lineup. Do you care about the lineup now? Uh, I, I, more about, I think they need to take some pressure off of him. I think that's why I would do it more than anything. All right. I'm a little fearful for TJ Friedel too. I know he's going to get overlooked, but what blasphemy. What, 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 that really broke my, that broke my spirits too. I mean, the bunt with all due respect. Yeah. I mean, I understand you're bunting for a hit, but like, 
even if you get that bunt down, it still is going to require someone to get the guy in from third, man. I mean, like, just let's let it rip. If you get a hit, you get a hit. If you don't, you don't. I guess if he laid down a perfect bunt and they threw the ball away, I would have been screaming and yelling and saying how great of a player he was. So you can always play the catch 22 or the hindsight 2020 thing. I just, um, I don't know. I feel for, I, should I stop worrying about Friedel? You know, one thing I will say too, not to jump all over the place like I always do, um, but I'll do it again here. It did feel like there was a massive amount of three, two counts that just did not go the Reds way. Like it did feel like they had some decent at bats. Friedel specifically had a great at bat and then he ended up striking out on, I don't know. I don't know if it was a ball cause I was at the stadium, but he swung at a pitch that looked like it might've been a ball for ball four. Shout out Ian Happ on an unbelievable at bat. I think um, we need to remember. I think we need to remember that there is a ton of pressure on Ellie De La Cruz right now. Everybody in this city is expecting him to come in here and be this savior that we've heard about in the minor leagues. In reality, and no disrespect to any of the the fans out there, he was good in in the minors. But like, we heard a lot about the four hundred and seventy foot bombs that he was hitting. Like he's gonna struggle. We knew there was gonna be struggles when he was brought up. Like nobody right. is shocked by the fact that he is struggling. Now the difference is, as a major league hitter, you need to figure out how to get out of it, and he's been in it for way too long. And that's where kind of taking some of that pressure off might help moving him down the lineup right now, because right now hitting in the four slot or the five slot or the three slot. It just feels like he's got to make something happen, and he's swinging at way too many balls out of the zone. And I think a lot of that is, one, he just needs to see more pitches. At the end of the day, he's got to see more pitches. But two is that he's just trying to make things happen. The team's in a little bit of a slide. He wants to try and help the team. And at the end of the day, he's trying to do what he can, but we just got to take some of that pressure off of him. The final point here before I go, worst-case scenario, they split. I'm not saying that's what I'm rooting for. You knew right before the series started. I wanted I wanted three of four or four of four would have been unbelievable, but three of four would have been like a big, big – it would have felt like this little bit of a monkey off the back because they've not won a series in so long. That means something. And I've said that time and time again. If they can just – if they can just build a little confidence, whatever that looks like, that's more important than almost like a win or a loss tomorrow and or Sunday. Like I, this might sound stupid. It's going to, this will sound stupid. <laughs> I'd actually hear me out. I don't know if I actually even believe this, but if the Reds were to win both games, Saturday and Sunday, one to nothing. And, or, or if you told me they were going to, they were going to win like 12 to 12 to seven, and they were going to lose an eight to seven game. I don't know. I almost just rather this offense get back on track and score some runs and get some confidence than than to continue just to have to like grind. Where have we gotten to where do you remember back in the day, which it wasn't that long ago to where when we were down four to one, it felt like it was a one run game. And now when they're down four to one, God's honest truth, I'm leaving the stadium. Like I, I just. <laughs> I don't They're know. Not two they... to one. They were not two to one. Two to one. <laughs> and and he like, has the audacity guys. to say that Cubs fans are the worst when he's the one leaving the ball game when we're down. Oh. No, I know. I deserve it all. I deserve it all. In fact, my son, I, I my son, man, uh, my my oldest son is. Yeah, I, I'm never gonna live it down. I, there's just there's no doubt. I'm never gonna live it down. We're we're walking out. We're walking out, and you know the banks where they got the screen and all that. And uh, and I'm watching. I'm like watching it as we're walking, 
and Martini hits that ball. And I, I immediately got excited for a half second. I look over at him, and he is pissed. He is pissed. And, I, I mean, you could tell he was fighting emotions. He was happy, but he was so mad at Dad. So mad at Dad. And then, obviously, we kind of stood there for him. And then his final words to me, which, you know what? I'm going to eat it because I sucked. He looked at me and said, oh, walk off. And I was like, oh, oh, that hurts. It hurts. But you know what? The Reds won, and that's all that matters. I mean, so so what about my feelings? It doesn't matter. What One more thought here, Trace. Let's actually let's reel it back in a little bit. I'm going to bring you uh, something I think of note here. Okay. So Adbert Alzale, he had converted 18 straight saves before he blew a save in his last outing against the Brewers, blew a second one in a row against the Reds. So the mm. Cubs' closer, who Sounds took like over, who, who really, I mean, the Cubs' bullpen earlier in the year was awful. You know, they have that high run differential, but the reason that they were held back was because their bullpen was so awful the first couple months of the year. I think maybe the Reds could get in this guy's head a little bit. Maybe this starts to skid where he starts blowing some saves. Wouldn't that be great to have the Cubs like just like blowing games left and right all September? Wouldn't that be wonderful, Trace? Oh, Nick, you are the mastermind of all optimistic viewpoints. I mean, you just are. You find the little sliver of optimism and you get you get directly to it, my man. There ain't no doubt about it. That's right. I was watching that piss poor performance. Listen to me. I was watching that piss poor performance by our offense in that first game. I look down at my phone and I see first tweet I see Nick Kirby. This guy pitching's only thrown 79 pitches as an MLB career. He's on 74 through four innings. Sure enough, he keeps shoving and the Reds suck. But that's here nor there. Um, as far as uh, downfall, listen, relievers, you've said this time and time again, Nick. I do believe this. Relievers are like um, – Mm, I almost got myself fickle. in trouble. They're, they're fickle. They're, I'm almost got myself in trouble. They are very fickle is what I was going to say. But I was going to say it in a really different way, and that was that was really going to be bad. So I'm glad I didn't say it. But but they are fickle. They are very – they're flaky. Alexis Diaz is kind of like that. Even though he's had a lot of success this year, we can all agree that there was about a two-week stretch there where Alexis Diaz, thank God he didn't have to have too many one-run saves uh, because it felt like he was walking guys left and right and everything was always uh, – you know, and then everyone was like talking about his rest, this, that, and the other. I don't know. My thing with the Cubs is this. The way they've been playing the last two months, they're not that good, okay? They're just not. They're not that good. Craig, thanks for jumping in, brother, man. I I, uh, I got a big day tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, uh, if I can make it, that's great. But I got to go to bed, you know. I got to go to bed with myself. I, I got to be honest. That's not the easiest thing to do. Not the Trace. easiest thing to do. But the Reds won. And I also got to admit, I put a lot of money on the Reds game, too. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Well, well, Trace, as you leave, why don't you tell the folks who might be watching what you got going on tomorrow? Because they might be oh, interested yeah. in it. Well, there's a, something called the Chatterbox Sports Bash on Shortvine. It is uh, on Shortvine Street near UC, if you're familiar with that. Um, right there near Mio's and basically that Kroger. And we're shutting the street down and... Running a huge, huge, huge operation. It's basically a big tailgate with a watch party and beer trucks, and it's a lot of work. Permits, street closures. It's um, sometimes I wonder why I do it, but hopefully by tomorrow night I realize why we do it and I remember why we do it, and uh, we'll keep it moving. Well, I, I hope that 
I hope the the bash at short fine has a Nick Martini moment tomorrow for you. Oh, it will. It will. There's no doubt about it. I'll try to come live. I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to come on. Uh, I'll try to come on tomorrow. If I can, I can. If I can't, and you know, life life is what it is. But the Reds, uh, boy, did they say season tonight? How stupid is it that we do this? I mean, I honestly, have you ever considered that? You ever thought about it? There was some people there. There was some people there that sat in front of me that like looked like they were into music and stuff, and they were just like having a good time. They were having a good time drinking beers with their boys, and they're just like, oh yeah, just enjoying. It. I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I'm sitting there. I've watched like 14 innings of baseball. I've seen one run. I'm miserable. I've heard go Cubbies go. I'm ready to strangle people. But I have my two kids there, which is why I didn't do it. Shout out Kings Island, though. I've seen them running their ads tonight. Good for them. All them Cubs fans there, they, they knew what they were doing. They, they, were actually, they were actually trying to get season passes sold tonight down there at Kings Island. That's funny. I don't know if, that's, I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know if that was a bit by Kings Island. But they should turn that into a thing. Every time the Cubs are in town, they should be like running big time promos down at the stadium. All right. Well, you go get some sleep, my friend. We'll see you tomorrow. We do have Craig. Craig, Craig will be on again tomorrow. And then um, we have Shay on Sunday. So we're covered this weekend. Trace will be popping in when he can. But yeah, man, what a what a win. What a win. What a God, we God, we needed that. I needed that. Craig needed that. Yeah, I think I tell you what, I mean, and, with all due respect, I'm willing to take the bullet I took tonight for you because I got news for you. Your mentions in your life would have been hell on earth with all them trolls. <laughs> they'd have been in you. They'd have been all over you. They'd have been like, "Where are you at, Nick? Where are you at? This this team, they quit on the team. They've quit on David Bell. They they they're not any good." And I told that guy to get my mentions. I'm about to go charge my phone and I'm I'm gonna go seek and destroy. Javier Assad is going for the Cubs tomorrow against Andrew Abbott. Craig, any quick thoughts on Abbott? He's really struggled of late. uh, 6.67 ERA over his last six starts. Walks have been really up, walking five batters per nine over that span. And that stretch actually started against the Cubs. Um, Only went three and a third, gave it four runs. Dansby Swanson hit a home run. Any any thoughts on Abbott's struggles? Do you think that it's just fatigue? Think he can can find a way to, to make a couple more big starts for the Reds? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think it. I mean, I don't want to knock the guy, but it, it it feels a little different than Graham Ashcraft, right? I mean, like, I I think Andrew Abbott's a great pitcher. I think he's got a great future. He, I, he doesn't feel like the dog to me. Um, but, you know, he's just not missing a lot of bats right now. I think a lot of it could be he's just tired. There's more innings than he's thrown in his professional career already. Um, we, we've talked about this offline before. Um, being able to spread him out down the down the stretch here might be beneficial. Um, he's just lost a little bit of movement, a little bit of speed on his pitches. Um, and again, I think the future is bright for him, but it just he may benefit from a little bit of a rest. It doesn't mean that we have to skip a start. It depends on how things line up for him. Um, but even stretching him out and giving him an extra day of rest here or there between starts may be beneficial. And you know, the last two and a half weeks, three weeks of the season, I think we've got five days off. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity for that. Make sure he's nice and rested before the playoff push. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think they got to shut him down at some point, but you're kind of in a situation right now where, I mean, you just called up a dude from double A and Carson Spires just to kind of be another option for you. I, I wonder, though, tomorrow if maybe they're going to say, hey, we're only going to look for three innings out of you. 
Maybe you get through, or maybe you just try to get through the lineup twice. Maybe there is almost it. I know the last couple of starts he's been pulled early. I mean, I think it was more about performance kind of mixed in with the the struggles and also kind of where the game was going. But maybe they just say, even if he's pitching well, maybe, hey, we're just going to try two times through the order, you know, so you're not putting as much pressure on him. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be uh, be against that. So, man, I hope he, seen- man, he's been incredible. Man, he's been incredible keeping this team in, in, in to where they're at right now. Reds are not where they're at without Andrew Abbott. No question about it. Without a doubt. And we've seen them already start to limit his pitches. I think his last inning, his last outing was 85 pitches, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, my only concern is just that bullpen is worked just as heavily as he is. And at some point, you got to find some time off for them. Luckily, the schedule does line up that you're going to have an opportunity for everybody to get some rest over the next couple of weeks. So um, pushing well, them you- hard for the next couple of days isn't the end of the world if we're going to get them some rest uh over the next couple of weeks but man it just to me I, and we've said this before too is just this bullpen while it keeps performing and has been unreal just at, it feels like my gut is telling me at some point they're gonna need a breather and we don't have anybody in the lineup right now or in the rotation right now who's going to be able to go out, give us seven, eight innings and really give that bullpen a rest. And so I struggle to to agree to a bullpen day or give an Abbott short rest when everybody's tired. I mean, this is, this is the playoff push, Nick. This is the time where the big dogs step up. And, you know, <clears throat> I think Abbott, if he's going to be a cornerstone of your rotation, I get that he's tired, but you're going to face adversity and he's just going to have to step up and figure it out. Um, tomorrow's a great day to do it. Well, the one good thing is the Reds have 10 relievers right now because they only have four starters because Hunter Green's on the IL. Um, and so they do have Brett Kennedy, who's been used as a starter that's that stretched out. And Carson Spires has been used as a starter that's stretched out. And TJ Antone didn't get into a, the game. He got activated in between the games. So that's three pitchers two of them that can go multiple innings. So what would be awesome is if the Reds uh, beat the crap out of Assad tomorrow and uh, you'd say, all right, Abbott, give us four, and then we can get you two out of Spires, three out of Kennedy, one out of Antone to close the game off, and uh, you give all the other guys a day off. That would be incredible. And the Reds, honestly, they may, uh, you know, uh, David Bell may, may say, whatever the game is, I'm going to Spires and Kennedy for a couple innings. You know, maybe Diaz is the only guy that I use if we get to the ninth, but Maybe I give most of the other guys just the day off after this doubleheader. Um, but uh, all of but these they, moves are hard to keep track of. I think, if I remember, Spires was just the one day addition. I think the way that they termed it when they announced that he was brought up, he was just brought up as like a single no, game addition to the roster, didn't they? No, no. So there was a lot of confusion on that because last year, even with the the twenty eight man roster in September, you still got a twenty ninth man on a double header, but that apparently went away. No. So Carson Spires is a special, if I'm understanding right, I could be wrong, but I, the way I understand it, Carson Spires is a special addition because he's replacing a guy on the COVID IL to where they don't have to like put him on the 40 man roster. It was like a special like exception. So you don't have to call up a guy in DFA. I'm like, you know how the Reds have done that before where they've called up, you know, like they were calling up dudes mid middle of the season, Randy Wynn, just because they were so desperate and they DFA'd him. 
I think it's a way they don't have to put him on the 40 man roster. Um, and when they send him back down, it doesn't count as like an option or anything just because he's replacing okay. a guy in COVID. So he, he, as far as I know, he, he'll still be on there tomorrow. So, but that is two starting pitchers that are in the bullpen. And there's 10 total relievers right now because the Reds have manipulated it. They could send Lyon down tomorrow as well. I would not be in support of that. Um, because I, I want, I think I want to see him get another start. Um, and, and then, yeah, you, well, you get into Green's the whole... not coming back for seven days, so you're going to need somebody um, at some point. I think it's a good point. Maybe you get four out of Abbott, you get four out of Kennedy, and then you throw Spires and and TJ Antone out there and try and shut it down at the end of the game. Um, certainly a lot of possibilities. And like you said, we do have some fresh arms, but um, you won't have your rocks that you've been able to lean on all year long, um, which in a series like this is tough. Yeah. Some information on Javier Assad. He was moved into the rotation on August 5th. Uh, he was in the bullpen most of the year before that. He's been great for the Cubs. Uh, 2.48 ERA in five starts. But you know what? You know what? We called our shot. We called our shot on the Cubs closer. Said he was maybe due for a little bit of regression. Well, Passad over that, that stretch, he's got a 4.61 FIP. This is his uh, first time starting a game at Great American Ballpark. You know what? You know what? Maybe, maybe he comes back down to earth. And Jake Fraley set a home run against him. Jake Fraley looked great today. Man, that would be awesome. Just uh, rope one out. I wonder if you think he'll be leading off again tomorrow. Potentially. I mean, he's raking. I mean, at the end of the day, you need people on base, and he's getting on base. So, yeah, for sure. I think the one thing I would point out, um, first of all, Javier Assad, like you said, been doing well. His last three starts, though, where he's really been. Uh, pushing, like you said, the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Pirates. Oh, you know? yeah. So like, so, like, it's not like he's facing the best competition. His first game was against the, the Braves. He went three and two-thirds, gave up five hits, two runs. Um, so it's not like he's been pressured the last couple starts. Um, put him in a big situation like this. Who knows what happens? I like it. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action before we get you out of here. We'll start with AAA. The Louisville Bats, they won 12-7 over Omaha in a slugfest. Bats now 67-61 and on the season. Jacob Herdeby hit his first home run uh, at AAA. He was 2-for-5. He's got seven home runs overall on the season. Jose Barrero, 2-for-5, hit his 14th home run with the Bats. Henry Ramos had two home runs. He's now got 12. Jason Vossler at a home run. He's got 16. And then the starting pitcher, uh, well, actually, he came in in relief, but the, the pitcher of note in this game was Levi Stout. Pitched four and a third innings, six hits, four earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, two home runs, an okay start for Stout in a uh, pretty disappointing season overall. Double A, Chattanooga, they lost 6-4 to Pensacola. Lookouts still a very solid 67-56. and as they get ready for the playoffs in a couple weeks that they clinched in the first half. But Reese Hines had a huge day. Three for four, hit two home runs. He's now got 23 on the season. Good for Hines. He was struggling a little bit of late. Good to see him hopefully finish the year strong. Matt Nelson, the catcher, two for three with a double. Uh, Blake Dunn got the evening off. High A, the Dayton Dragons, they lost 6-1 to Great Lakes. 
Dragons now at 500 at 62 and 62 on the season. They're now four and a half back in the Midwest League East Division second half race. Their elimination number is all the way down to five. So not looking like the Dragons will get to postseason baseball. But Edwin Arroyo had a great night. Two for three, hit a home run, his 13th home run. Actually saw this one. He absolutely crushed the ball. Uh, also had a walk in this game. Hector Rodriguez, nice night, two for four. Unfortunately, South Stewart and Carlos Jorge each 0 for 4, but Austin Hendrick was 2 for 4. Starting pitcher Hunter Parks went 2 and 2 thirds innings, just allowed one hit, no runs, did walk 3, but struck out 2. And last but certainly not least, the Daytona Tortugas had a great night. They won 7 1 over Dundin. They are now 53 and 67 on the year. Victor Costa was 0 for 2, but did walk twice and stole his 12th base of the season. Cam Collier 0 for 3, but did walk. Alan Serta was 1 for 4. All right, well, Reds-Cubs, 640 on Saturday. Huge game for the Reds. Uh, if the Reds could just find a way to win these next two games, they could really set themselves up uh, well here in September. Even if they could just split, they would still take the tiebreaker on the Cubs, but still would have quite a bit of ground to make up. But, hey, everyone counts. The Reds are just one game out of a playoff spot. Chatterbox Reds live on YouTube. Be live around 9, 9, 10. We typically go live in the ninth inning. Craig Sandlin joining the show again. Trace Fowler is going to try to join if time allows. So, of course, make sure you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Hit that bell in the top right corner. Turn on notifications so you're notified whenever we go live. And one quick favor, if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, please just leave us a quick five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. That kind of stuff really, really helps us out. We would greatly appreciate it. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Saturday. And as always, go Reds.